Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Um, I also want to just to take a moment to uh, greet those of you who have joined us online. It's wonderful to have you um, come and just be part of the family for this, uh, for this morning um, and to join us in our worship I'm sure you look great too, by the way. (laughs) So what I want to do is, I actually want to start with a little bit of a confession. Okay, so I was supposed to kick off um, a series that you're doing on the Holy Spirit, and I was supposed to be speaking today on the theology um, of the Holy Spirit, and in the interests of full self-disclosure, I did actually start to prepare um, something along those lines. But I was doing that when the words um, salt and light dropped into my mind on Wednesday night, and then again on Thursday morning. And I have to say that I thought it was to do with something I'm doing at the end of this month, so I just, I parked the thought. Um, and then I went to see the hairdresser on Thursday morning. Um, you wouldn't know, but uh, <laughs> take my word for it. And, um, and as I was there, we got into a conversation, and uh, my hairdresser, the uh, local hairdresser, is a lovely Muslim lady. I've known her for many, many years. And we started talking about the news headlines um, and about the state of the world. And it was clear that she was feeling quite anxious um, about how things were going. And she said to me, you know, it's not going to end well. We need to pray. Now, she knows that I'm a Christian. I said, yeah, we absolutely need to pray. But, you know, we also believe that we can make a difference from who we are and how we are as well. And I said, actually, I'm speaking about that on Sunday. I'm speaking about making a difference through being salt and light in the world. And as she said to me, are you? I thought to myself, am I? <laughs> so so um, I found myself um, <laughs> once again caught up in what is ironically characteristic of the Holy Spirit. John 3, 8 puts it like this. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And the word that's used um, in Greek, um, which is the original language of the New Testament, is pneuma, the word that's used there. And back in in Old Testament Hebrew, um, the word is ruach. And both words mean breath, wind, and spirit all at once. And it's an idea that goes all the way back to the creation when God breathes into into Adam, and the word that's used is ruach that word breath. And then at Pentecost, um, as the disciples meet together and and the mighty wind comes through, blows through, um, sure enough, the word is pneuma, the breath, the wind, the spirit. And it fills them and transforms their lives. Um, And the Holy Spirit, um, of course, is, is very hard to explain, very hard to describe, very hard to pin down. No ghost, no impersonal force. The English language doesn't actually do justice to the Holy Spirit. One writer said, our current words are so sterile. Breath to us is biology. Wind is meteorology. Spirit is theology. But it's not that for those who wrote the Bible. And in a sense, 
What happened to me on Thursday is reminder that we cannot control or, con or contain the spirit. The spirit always breaks out. The spirit is always himself. And we have our plans and the Holy Spirit has his plans. Uh, but I have to say, this doesn't happen to me very often, 97 times out of 100. I actually speak to what I'm given. Um, and I'm going to try and mix it up a little bit today because salt and light, you can't do that without the Holy Spirit's help. So I'm going to mix it up a little bit today. Um, but it seems that um, you're one of the three exceptions. So my apologies, Angie and uh, Steve. Uh, so I left the hairdresser. Thursday morning with the thought, apparently, I'm speaking on making a difference through being salt and light in the world. So personally, I hold the Holy Spirit totally responsible, and you are at liberty to do that um, as well. But I haven't come with any blinding revelation for you today. Just a reminder. That's what I sense God was saying. This is just a reminder. Just remind them of this. Reminded to you as individuals, reminded to you as a church, um, that in this first month of this new year, in this new decade, that making the difference in a world that is as chaotic and as confusing as ours, whoever you are, wherever um, your work or ministry takes you, is about getting back to basics. So I want to take you to one of the best known parts of Jesus teaching from the New Testament. Many describe it as his manifesto for Christian life. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to read a few verses from the message version of, of that text. Matthew 5 from verse 13 to 16, which reads this. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Now, there's a story. Some of you may already know it. It's a story that's told by a writer, author called Landa Cope, um, in which she's watching a TV program where a journalist is um, intent on disproving the value of Christianity to the well-being of society. And she describes how the reporter um, had researched the social statistics of Dallas um, in um, Texas, um, which was the most Christianized city at the time because it had the highest um, number of people going to church, attending church. Um, and what the reporter um, did was to demonstrate that it also had some of the worst social indicators of any city in America at the time. The levels of crime and justice and police enforcement were dire. Social systems governing healthcare, hospitals, emergency care, contagious disease, infant mortality, the distribution of caregivers, all of these were poor. 
And based on the city examination results, graduation statistics, and general safety, it was clear that the education system in Dallas was also inadequate and failing and unequal. The fact was reflected across, um, in, in light of the economic discrepancies across the city and also the racial injustice um, that was being played out across the city as well. And it was clear from the report that the scale and the size of the Christian community had little, if any, influence on the health and well-being of Dallas as a whole. It was almost as if the Christians were not there. The New International Version translates the pertinent bits from Matthew 5, 13 to 16 as you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. In other words, this is an imperative. It's a statement of fact. It isn't an invitation, it's an expectation. Jesus is saying, like it or not, want it or not, this is what you are. We're not given an option, we're given a description. As disciples of Jesus, we have no choice. He leaves us with no room for debate. He doesn't ask for comment or invite decision. Hey, you disciples, would you like to be salt and light? Would you? Anybody want to take that? No. We're not afforded that luxury. Neither are we given the option of choosing whether we're going to be salt or light. When Jesus says salt and light, it means this is not a multiple choice question. One option isn't better than the other. The metaphors are parallel, but they're not equivalent. They present different dimensions of the same challenge. They're not the same way, uh, different ways of saying the same thing. We are called to be both salt and light. We cannot choose to be either part of the gathered camp company of believers, light, or the scattered company of believers, scattered into the world, in society, salt. We are called to be both. One is not better than the other, and one does not exclude the other. Jesus gives them equal weight. Being salt is a reminder that there are times when we are supposed to be in the world, in our families, in our workplaces, where we study, where we live, ready to step up and do something we've never done before, ready to stand out and feel uncomfortably visible, ready to speak out and say something that needs to be said that maybe nobody else is saying. This is one of the reasons Jesus told his disciples to wait to receive power in Acts 1 verse 8. When they were hiding away in the upper room, you remember that story, some of us? hoping that no one would, would notice them. But he wasn't speaking of any ordinary power, and here we come back to the Holy Spirit, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the Greek word that's used is dunamis. We get our words dynamite, dynamo, dynamic from that word. It's the Holy Spirit who does that. The Holy Spirit who equips and enables and empowers us. It means that Christians who are filled with the Spirit will be explosive. They will make a noise, an impact. Their words, their lives, their presence will change things. 
In other words, the Holy Spirit helps us to be salty salt. But I'll say a bit more about that in a minute. Even a passage like this, there's no getting away from the theology of the Holy Spirit. He turns up everywhere because he's supposed to. It's the third person of the Trinity. Being salt is reminded that although we're always free to be ourselves, we're never simply representing ourselves. Sometimes being salt is about facing opposition, resistance, ridicule, but more often than not, being salt is about being diligent. Consistent in the face of the mundane, ordinary moments of life and work, such as the way we answer the phone. Yeah, what? Who? Who's this? How we speak to people in a queue or interact with strangers. Now, my best friend Cham is here, my colleague, so I can't pretend other, but she tells me that when I'm behind the wheel of a car, I have a not-so-salty habit of providing a running commentary of other people's driving, except my own. And yet, it's in those moments where we're provided with opportunities to decide what kind of salt we're going to be. Salt's a reminder that faith must affect what we do and who we are out there when we're not all cozied up together in here. Light, on the other hand, helps us to remember that we're not made to do it all on our own. We're made to need each other. We're made to be family, to make things happen as we worship together. It's actually not possible to call ourselves Christians if we're not part of something bigger, a church community, a company of believers who meet to worship God together. Jesus says, your influence will not just come from being scattered, it will also come from being gathered. In the words of Matthew 5, verse 16, you are the light of the world. Light, like the sun, a matchstick, a light bulb, doesn't have to make contact to be influential. It simply needs to be seen, to be visible, to be useful. Light has to be separated and lifted up to produce its maximum effect on the world. When Jesus says, you are the light of the world, he is saying that you can legitimately make an exhibition of yourself. And for some of you, that's a relief, isn't it? (laughs) When he says in, in, in Matthew 6, verse 1, and he cautions his followers, and he says, be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but God who made you won't be, be applauding. That's what Jesus says. Now, Jesus isn't saying, you know, telling them to avoid drawing attention to themselves. He's, he's telling them it's fine to be in a, make an exhibition, but it's another thing to turn it into a performance. Because the difference between an exhibition and a performance, when you're exhibiting something, you're showing something else off. When it's a performance, it's all about you. You're showing yourself off. Any exhibition we stage has got to reveal Jesus in all his glory, in all his wonder. And people should know where to find the local exhibition. Every Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I was just trying to remember, Friday, Saturday, Let your light shine before men and women, Jesus says, that they may see your good deeds and praise you. No, your Father in heaven, 
See your good deeds and praise him. Hallelujah. Somebody's excited. It's good. For light to be effective, it's got to be exhibited. It's got to be concentrated. It's got to be visible. Anyone who has dealt with lasers knows that when light is super, super concentrated, it can cut or melt through solid metal. Jesus said, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. There's no room for false humility here, guys. No room. Ensure that your community, your church neighbors, know that you're here, that they never forget that you're here. You can't fight the darkness caused by ignorance and prejudice and injustice and selfishness by boldly going where no one is likely to find you. <laughs> can't be done. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, Jesus says, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine, keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. That's the gathered church, but what about the scattered? Do you mind if I say a few things about the scattered? Who are you when you're at work? Who are you when you're at home or with family or friends? Someone once said that discipling the nations is a saturation strategy of getting the truth into every fiber of every layer of society through the lives of every believer. I love that. Do you realize that most of the Bible characters we talk about, pray about and learn from had dual influence? From Abraham to Esther, whether we speak of Jesus or Paul, none of them were religious professionals, like me. They weren't Levites or priests. They all had a job or other role in society. Abraham was a businessman. Esther eventually ended up in central government. Jesus was a carpenter. And I have a feeling that nobody complained about his work. Paul was a religious scholar with a tent-making business. They were not religious professionals, but they exercised spiritual leadership and influence. They knew how to pray, they knew how to hear from God, they knew how to influence others, they knew how to bless society wherever they operated. Where do you operate? What workplace, what educational institution, what neighborhood? Just think of the amount of time we spend in church compared to the amount of time we spend out there. It's supposed to be disproportionate. Six days you shall labor and then rest. We are salt and light. So please don't misunderstand the text. This isn't about either or, shall I serve the church or shall I serve in society? It's both and. Just because you're not a professional religious leader doesn't mean you don't have spiritual leadership to offer to the church and to offer to society. The real issue Jesus is tackling through these verses in Matthew chapter 5, 13, 16 is what kind of salt and light are you going to be? In other words, how effective is your salting and lighting? And it's interesting that Jesus doesn't bother to explain or define what he means by salt or light to his listeners. He assumes that they will understand what he's talking about. 
In other words, what may seem difficult for us to grasp appears to have been blindingly obvious to them. The central challenge from this passage is, firstly, disciples need to know they are both salt and light, and the second challenge is this, we need to know the salt and light can lose their power. They can lose it. The kind of salt that Jesus was talking about could lose its saltiness, and we all know that light of any kind can be useless if it's not deployed correctly. Just try covering a few lamps in the most dangerous part of town, and you'll find out what I mean. Although Cambridge doesn't have a dangerous part, does it? The purpose of salt, it seems, is to permeate. You are the salt of the earth. Salt must make contact in order to be of any use. Salt must be pure in order to have any effect. Salt must be scattered. It must be spread. It's got to go deep. Salting is a contact sport. We've got to make contact when we're at work, college, with friends, at home, in the neighborhood. We're not called to shout at people from the sidelines, like football fans, telling the players on the pitch how it ought to be done. We're called to get involved in people's lives, to connect. They should feel us. If the only people you know are other Christians, you're doing something wrong. This salt, Jesus says, can lose its saltiness because in Jesus' day, there was a kind of salt that could lose its sodium chloride content. And salt in those days was a, a precious commodity in the ancient world. Roman soldiers were sometimes paid in salt. So no one wanted salt that looked the part but couldn't play the part. Can you imagine? You get your salt grinder over your fish and chips. Grind away. Stuff that falls on, lands on your fish and chips makes no difference whatsoever. What would you do with that? Here's the multiple choice. A, would you throw it out? B, would you throw it out? <laughs> C, would you throw it out? That shouldn't have been a difficult multiple choice. It doesn't matter how much the salt you're using looks the part. If it doesn't play the part, throw it out. It can't bring out the flavors. More importantly, it can't bring out the God flavors. This is where we learn that salt has other meanings. Salt does lots of different things in the New Testament world. It symbolized covenant. It symbolized the, the permanent relationship between God and his people. It makes tasteless things tasteful. It was used in fertilizer, purified, had healing properties. But the point I want us to grasp here is that salt was also a metaphor for wisdom. And wisdom was taken to mean the knowledge of what is the right thing to do in any given situation. And Jesus was probably using the term in this way, in this text. Why do I say that? Because he says this, but if salt has lost its flavor, and the word there is related to the word moronos, which is related to our word, moron. With what will it be salted? A moron or a fool is the same thing in the biblical text. 
If salt has lost its taste, it becomes foolish, Jesus says. And he says, what good is it? We need to understand that in scripture, the fool is not someone who's stupid, thick, or dense. This is not about intelligence. The fool is the person who is morally and spiritually deficient, somebody who does, never accepts correction, somebody who refuses to accept responsibility, somebody who blames God or blames somebody else for whatever happens. Jesus is saying there is nothing to distinguish this moronos from anyone else. The so-called wisdom of these individuals, he says, you've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Now, we all know that we don't get wisdom from textbooks, that knowledge doesn't make us wise. And as much as I hate to say it, understanding doesn't even come from hearing wise words. We know that experience plays a part in imparting wisdom, but wisdom herself also imparts wisdom. Proverbs 9 verse 12, is through me, lady wisdom, that your life deepens and the years of your life ripen. And some of you will know that wisdom is also the spirit, the Holy Spirit. Some call her Sophia in the Old Testament. So if salt is about wisdom, when you and I are truly salting the world, we become the right word, the right act and the right thought for the right occasion. How we live matters, not because we're competing in an effort to co collect brownie points in perfection. How we live matters because we represent God's wisdom. And the world could do with some wisdom right about now. You are the wisdom of the earth. This is how you could read this text. You are the wisdom of the earth, but if the wisdom has become foolish, how can wisdom be restored? We need wisdom. And we are the answer to that, guys. Being salt in the world prevents decay, enhances the best features of the world, but we do it by becoming part of the solution to the world's problems, not becoming part of the problem. Whether we're at work, whether we're in our neighborhoods, whether we're with our friends. We not only have the power to stop the rot, but we have the power to offer a godly alternative. Remember the story I told? All those Christians, yet who would know? A lack of wisdom being demonstrated. If we sound like everyone else, what good are we to the world? What good are we to our friends or to our work? What use are we as a representative of God's kingdom? Don't be afraid to be distinctive, unique, seasoned with salt. And definitely don't be afraid to express God's wisdom in every situation you find yourself in. The um, German evangelist Reinhard Bonnke uh, used to speak about submarine Christians who submerge themselves from Monday to Saturday. Glug, 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 glug. Monday, Tuesday, Saturday, glug, glug, glug. Sunday. God save us from being Christians who look salty on Sundays, but behave like morons from Monday to Saturday. 
Do not lose your saltiness. Jesus is saying, be careful. Do what is right in each situation. And it's not because it's easy to do. Now, people who know me tell me that I don't get um, angry very easily. And uh, this is partially because I've trained myself to remember that, uh, you know, other, where other people are coming from, um, they always have a reason for where they're coming from. And I've been around on the, on the planet for long enough um, to know that on a scale to one, of one to ten, whatever's happening under my nose probably isn't the worst thing that's happening in the world. You know, so um, I don't get angry easily, do I, Chan? Yeah. That was the correct answer. So I don't, get, I don't get angry very easily, but when I do get angry is praise the Lord for sanctification, you know. And a little while back, someone did something to me that was so outrageous, I got seriously vexed. And I only use that word on special occasions, okay? Very vexed I was. Um, and it's not that I was in danger of physical violence or swearing or something like that. It was much worse than that. What I was in danger of was forgetting who I am. And I thank God for the people around me because they actually said to me, Kate, once I'd finished blowing my top off, you know, um, they said, Kate, do you really want to be remembered for what you're saying that you're going to do now? In that moment, what kind of salt, what kind of salt was I going to be? God is calling us to be Salty salt. So, are you prepared to shine? This church shines in this place. But are you prepared to be ready salted? And if you are, then turn to your neighbor and say to your neighbor, neighbor, are you prepared to be a ready salted Christian? Just talk to your neighbor. see we don't make the difference by wishing that things were different um, and we don't make the difference just by being present we make the difference by being different so in this first month of this new year this new decade as you're launching into new territory it's not quite an introduction to the Holy Spirit but you won't be able to do it without him so let me sign off here for those of you who have joined us online and hand you back to your host. And the rest of us just take a moment to pray. I don't know about you, but I want to be the shiniest I can shine and the saltiest I can be. I don't want to look the part, but not be able to play the part. I want to be what God's calling me to be. I want the Holy Spirit to be seen. This be the place that he gets seen in other people's lives. So can I invite us to stand? And if you're feeling like me today and you 
know, maybe it's no major issue, but just, it's a good time. First month of a new year, new decade, new opportunities, just to say again to God. shine and I want to be the saltiest I can be in the world you send me into and perhaps you know that today has got to be the day you invite Jesus into your life for the first time maybe you've never done that but becoming that light and that salt needs that level of commitment. Perhaps you know you've been on the wrong path. You know things need to be different. You need to be different. I want to give you an opportunity to do what the Bible calls repent, which is just means just to recalibrate, to change your mind, to change your direction of travel. Just as we together pray and ask God to lead us into that space with Him, where we're the shiniest and the saltiest we can be. Let's just close our eyes and invite the Spirit to do His work. we go into in this new year, in this new decade, we ask that you will help us to be the shiniest and the saltiest we can be. We long to see men and women come to know you, to see the wisdom and to experience the wisdom of God in their lives. Help us to be part of that, that journey. And if you're here and you know that today is the day that you want to make that commitment to Jesus, then I want to invite you just to pray this prayer with me. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing love for me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross. Today I ask you to forgive me for all my sins everything that has kept me apart from you and on the wrong road I want to turn from all of that I want to repent get on the path that you've set for my life I thank you for your forgiveness and I thank you for the gift of your spirit help me to live for you that prayer for the first time today please don't leave here without telling somebody there are people um, here who will pray for you and who will help you to take the next steps but there are a couple of
couple of other things I would love us to pray for. If you're here and you've been having particular conflicts, and I felt this as I was coming in last night, conflicts with people in your family or at work that seem impossible to break through. We want to pray with you as well. Specific conflicts. And if you just want to shine more brightly and be more ready salted, you can pray that prayer. So there are people here to help you to pray. If you prayed the prayer of commitment for the first time, just as we have our eyes closed, do you want to just raise your hand? If you're making a commitment today to follow Jesus, to give your life to Him, to become who He's calling you to be. If it's your first time taking that step, with people either in your family or at work that seem impossible to break through. Let me just pray for you and, and hand back. Father, we thank you for the power of the Spirit. The power of the Spirit in our lives to turn the impossible so that it becomes possible. And we pray for those situations that seem immovable, that seem intractable. We ask, Lord God, that you would release the power of your spirit into those situations and release the power of your spirit through us so that we shine with the brightness of Jesus and shed light into those areas that have felt really dark. And help us to bring your wisdom into those situations. We pray it in Jesus' name. And we ask it for the sake of his glory and for his honor. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.